Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited to be joined by Koya Webb. I met Koya, geez, probably somewhere between 10, 12 years ago, I think at, I think I met you Koya at a Purium convention the first time. Uh, oh, wow. I think so. <laughs> Either that or through, or through the Raw Living Expo that I was helping produce years ago. Did you ever speak at one of our expos? Yeah, I think I think we met at a either a Purium convention a long time ago or at one of the Raw Living Expos that I was helping produce. Um, I can't remember which one. Do you remember? It could have been either of those because I was in my year of yes when we met. I was saying yes to everything. Every everyone that asked me to do anything, I was like, yeah, sure. So I had to learn my lesson. So it was probably one of those. It's 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 been a while. Um, and uh, I mean, I've just followed your work over the years and I just see you continuing to thrive and continue to help so many people. Uh, you've since in the last few years come out with a pretty epic book, uh, make, uh, Let Your Fears Make You Fierce. And for those who don't know Koya, Koya is a sought after holistic health and wellness coach and motivational speaker. Her get loved up yoga school and community teachers inspire millions worldwide to practice more self-care, social justice, and eco-friendly living. She's a highly regarded expert and editorial contributor with tons of media outlets and has worked with a roster of celebrity clients. Her mission is to inspire optimal health and well-being worldwide. You have definitely been doing that and uh, awesome to have you on the podcast here. I think it's been two or three years since we last spoke. So it's uh, pretty cool to uh, reconnect with you. Thank you. It's pretty cool to be here. And thank you for all the work you're doing in this space. Like you're really like, you know, coming out and really supporting others, you know, in the movement. And I think that's just so powerful. So thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. And you've also been a plant-based athlete for a long time, haven't you? Yeah, for a long time. It's been 18 years. I can't even keep up anymore. What What was your initial kind of impetus to go plant-based? To be honest, initially, it was just curiosity. Like, I am an experimentalist, and I'm very much into health and wellness since... Uh, since a little girl, to be honest, I would see my father and mother never let me go to the doctor. They were always like, you know, drink some water and take a nap. You know, that was their solution to everything. And I would remember reaching in the bookshelf and getting the natural remedies book and natural cures. So I think from a child, I was all, always interested in, in natural health and wellness. I think I was all also in love with animals. I had cats and dogs. And they were just able to run roam free on our property. Um, I was a country girl. I lived out in the country. I remember the first time I remember having compassion for animal was when um, I, the hunters would come by and they would want to shoot deer. And and they were like, um, come and ask my father, can we, you know, hunt deer? And I begged my dad, like, please don't let <laughs> deer on the property don't let them kill Bambi you know? and so <laughs> I was very connected to Bambi and specifically not knowing I was eating Wilbur and all the other animals <laughs> Bambi's oh, Bambi. we gotta save Bambi but the pigs the pigs and the cows we can, we can kill them and eat them <laughs> Wilbur can get it you know so but no it, it, it was really funny how when you pay attention to young kids how they don't really connect what's on their plate to the to animals and then when they do they're they're a lot of them are very very much horrified and and so 
for me, it was, it was, I think, innate in me when I was young, but it wasn't until I started just getting curious about health and wellness. And it started with well-being. So it started with me um, working at a vegetarian restaurant and um, picking up a book called The Mucusless Diet. And it was all about getting that mucus and congestion out of your system. So there was a lot of, I had a lot of phlegm and I ran track and field and I was always like, you know, hawking up loogies and, you know, you, it was very gross. And so I was like, I want to get rid of this mucus. And so mostly the mucus diet was getting rid of a lot of gluten, but it was all, it was also very much so plant-based. And then I read the book, um, just staying, getting all the health books from uh, who, who I call my Mexican daddy, the owner of Ranchos Markets. His name was Marcus Moet. He gave me um, the Rainbow Green Live Food Cuisine. I think that was about Gabriel Cousins. That's Gabriel Cousins, yeah. 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 So Gabriel Cousins kind of introduced me through the Rainbow Green Live Food Cuisine. Um, just the beauty of eating more plants. And I, I just like cool, I'm going to try it. And I tried it and people started saying, man, you, you glow. And I really love that company. Not just you're beautiful. You should be a model, which, you know, you hear, but you glow. Um, I don't know. It was something about that, that compliment that was, uh, really exciting. And I felt better and I cut gluten. So I was not having all the mucus. I had more energy and I was looking better and glowing. And so I was like, this is awesome, but I love food. I'm a foodie. I've always been a foodie since I was a little girl. And I was like, well, I love desserts. So as long as I can do desserts, then I can do this vegan thing. And so I just got curious and I love, I'm a recipe developer. So I love creating recipes. So in this rent, restaurant, Ranchos, I was in the back kitchen creating all the vegan burgers. So I would get all the vegan recipe books and I would just create all these and they would sell the cuisine that I would create and it would do very well. So in that season, I was like, oh my goodness, this is a lifestyle. I feel good. I can create these cool recipes. And that's how I went vegan. Yeah, that's awesome. It, it usually starts with like a book or a documentary or being inspired by somebody, right? I think the first film that I saw that really started to inspire me to make major changes in my diet was, have you ever seen The Beautiful Truth? It's about no. Max Gerson and the Gerson therapy and, and healing cancer with you know Gerson therapy, things like that. It's an old film. Yeah, it's an old film. It's, it's not easily like, it's not that well spread that I know of. Like, I don't know where you can get the film. I don't know if you can even buy it. You might be able to, I'm going to look into it. But that, that film was like one of the very first ones early on that like inspired me to be like, whoa, diet has a major impact in our health and, you know, adding more plants and fresh foods to my diet. And from then it was, you know, you watch another documentary, you read a book, you start looking at some science, you start talking to people, you start making changes. Like you said, you know, an experimentalist, it's like, I think that's the best thing we can do as human beings to develop ourselves to our higher potential is learn about something that really seems to be good for you and then actually experiment with it, right? Like it's one thing to be like, oh yeah, juicing, you know, a seven day juice fast changed somebody's life and they were able to heal some some chronic digestive stuff going on or some skin issues or whatever. They look good. They great feel. That's great but then do nothing about it. You know, never try it, never experiment with it. It's like, yeah, but that's for them. You know, it's not for me. 
And I think that's one of the best things we can do is be like, oh, you know what? That was amazing for the people that I talked to. Maybe I should give it a try. And I, I've always had that mindset. I had friends who were like, hey, we're doing this cleanse. This was before I ever done a cleanse or knew what a cleanse was. It's like, yeah, we're doing this cleanse. It's five days. You want to join? I was like, sure. I was like, what's a cleanse? <laughs> and, then, and then it ended up being like the, the master cleanse. You know, it's like lemon, water, uh, maple syrup, and cayenne pepper. And that's all you drink for like five days to a week. And it was life-changing for me. Um, and I think that's like, those are kind of the things that I think can help inspire people to recognize that, hey, your health has to start somewhere and it starts with making, you know, some kind of change in yourself and your diet and your habits so that you can actually um, start to feel better. And as you were talking about, you were starting to feel better. What, what were some other things that you were starting to experiment with or starting to experience with your own health as you dove down this rabbit hole? Well, I definitely did the master cleanse. I did the master cleanse before I even went vegan. They call it the master cleanse, the lemonade diet. And I actually really loved it, except for the fact that I sharted. And that was so <laughs> embarrassing. And I was wearing white. I'm never going to forget it. I run like every morning. And here I'm going out for my run day one. Because in addition to those ingredients, I don't know if you did this because some people skip it, but you take the salt water flush. And the salt water mm. flush, is like, I want to say at least eight to 16 ounces of water with a tablespoon of salt. And yep. it does its internal cleanse. And so you drink this in the morning on an empty stomach and you wait. Um, you're supposed to do it before you wake up and then you wait and then you go to the bathroom. It cleanses you out and then you go on about your day. Well, it was time for my run and I hadn't, you know, went yet. And so I was like, oh, I'll be fine. It's going to take a little more time. I guess all of the movement kind of, you know, roughing things up a little bit. And mm -hmm. you know, I was running back home <laughs> with brown stains on my white <laughs> leggings. And I was so embarrassing. I just <laughs> straight in the shower and got it cleaned up pretty quickly. But yeah, I still love the master cleanse. I actually did it for almost a month. My mom thought I was trying to kill myself and she's trying to force feed me while I was sleeping, telling me to eat, but it was so good because it gave me, um, that, that feeling of what it feels like to, um, feel, you know, completely clean inside out. And I feel like I also didn't know I can go that long without actually eating and be okay. Right. And I think those two things, like seeing those two things helps me in my vegan journey, because a lot of times there, especially as much as I travel, there's not food available. So to know that I'm not going to die or pass out, because some people don't know that they feel like, oh, I remember I was doing the zone diet. I thought I had to eat five times a day, minimum three times a day. Um, and a lot of people don't know about fasting and how fa fasting is so good for the body. So I started, I did the master cleanse was something I explored around that time. Also intermittent fasting, which I still do. And those things just help you um, give your body a time to rest and recover so that you can be in optimal health. And I think, I definitely think plant-based diet, uh, vegan diet is optimal, is all about like optimal health. And then also, 
you know, the master cleanse, intermittent fasting, all those things when done the right way. Um, if it's in alignment, like I know everyone, it's not, everything is not for everyone, but if you learn um, to get the nutrients and vitamins that you need, it can be a very, very, very optimal um, way of living. Yeah. I think it's very interesting. It's a, it's a similar path. So many of us walk down through kind of a natural progression of events. It's like a sequence of like, uh, I know for, for myself and even for you and, and many others I've talked to, it's like you do a cleanse and then all of a sudden after a cleanse, it's like you're drawn towards more fresh, real plant foods. You know, you may not go completely vegan the next day, but it's like this natural kind of transition process that happened for me. It was like after that cleanse as well, the master cleanse. Yeah. If you're drinking salt water, if, if you feel like you have to fart, make sure you're around a toilet because it, <laughs> it may have some liquid in it for sure. Be ready for that. That's, that's a, that's a hard earned lesson that I think many of us have learned. But when you clean out your body with fasting, cleansing, detoxing, just like you said, you feel amazing. Like I felt like I could feel my organs for the first time in my life. It's the only way I know how to explain that. It was like my organs were thanking me. It's like my digestive system, my kidneys, my liver, my heart. It was, I had this connection to them for the first time that I remember in my life. And all I remember after that first cleanse was like, wow, it's incredible how amazing I actually feel, how clear I am, how much energy I have. And all you're really doing is like giving your body a little bit of a needed break from all this energy of digesting, 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 especially if you're putting crap and shit and junk in your body. <laughs> then it's got to digest, then it's got to heal, then it's got to detox. And it's like, you just take a break from that and your body's like, ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I take a break every day. And that's why now I like, I love, in addition to being, you know, plant-based vegan for 18 years, I now do intermittent fasting because it's like every day, even if you're eating vegan, your body needs a break, like you said, from digesting and processing. And, and you said, when you got on, like, it looks like you're aging back backwards. And I feel like that. Like, I feel like I remember looking in the mirror at age 25 and seeing my first gray hair and thinking, oh my God, I'm aging really fast. And now to be 42 and not to have that many gray hairs, I definitely changed. And I definitely think making those changes from between 25 and now, like all the changes I've made have helped me uh, regain health and vitality that I had started losing by the age of 25. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously when you've been in, when you've been on this diet and helping people and researching and teaching for long enough, you hear a lot of the same questions over and over. You know, where do you get your protein? I, plants don't have protein. Uh, animal protein is better than plant protein. Uh, nobody can be on a vegan diet for a long time. They're going to get sick and weak. You know, all these things that you hear, all these misnomers, all these mis, you know, understandings really is what it is. Just either people heard that from somebody else. You know, I grew up on meat and potatoes in Montana and fast food and McDonald's and all that junk. So I also, you know, came from, I understand it. I understand. I grew up thinking, yeah, you got to have meat for protein, for health, you know, dairy drinking, you know, half gallon of milk a day and eating big handfuls of cheddar cheese and thinking that's, that's health. That's what we need. And, you know, what are some of the things that, um, you teach people when, you know, they have these kinds of questions. What do you share with people? I share with people just 
I like to talk about food as energy. And so when you are eating um, plants, vegetables, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, superfoods, those are very much um, very energetic, high vibrational foods. And when you're eating dead uh, animals or even processed vegan foods, those are very low vibrational foods. So I don't even, I try now because now we have so many people that are in the vegan community. I try not to just glorify, like, I mean, let's just say you're doing a lot by going vegan. So thank you, or even plant-based or eating as many plants as possible because, you know, we're saving the animals and the earth. And so I think that's incredible. But as a, a nutritionist and health and wellness person, like I really like to talk about the energy of food because if someone is eating more plants, it's high vibrational. If they're eating more processed or dead animals, it's low vibrational. And so the more high vibrational foods you eat, the better you're going to feel and the easier that food goes through your body. Um, and the easier you eliminate it, the more you're going to use that for energy and you're going to feel better. The more processed or uh, animal products that you consume, the more inflammation in the body, the more low energy you will have. So you will have to do caffeine. You will have to do energy drinks. You'll have to do more things along with that. Again, whether it's processed vegan, animal products, like all those are in the same category of lower vibrational foods. And if you're eating that, it's going to take, it's going to take longer for your body to process. It's going to do some damage while it's going through your body and you're not going to have as much energy. So when I talk to people um, about food as energy, I feel like people start to get it because they can actually feel it. And I tell them just practice, take a day where you, um, have liquids in the morning. I do water, green juice, smoothie in the morning. Um, just do those back to back anywhere from eight to 32 ounces of each. And then when you're hungry, have your first meal. And then when you're hungry again, have your, and see how you feel. And then go through a day where you have like a heavy breakfast, uh, you know, your normal and just see which day you feel better. And people take me up on it and they're like, wow, I can't believe that that was enough food for me. Cause a lot of times, we're eating more than we think we, we need. Well, we're eating more than we need because we think we have to. I remember being in the weightlifting community. I did um, uh, modeling and I did fitness competitions at one point in my career. And I remember so many people thinking they have to eat so much in order to you know, um, gain weight or gain muscle mass. And that's when I really saw a lot of myths and I was able to dispel a lot of myths about what it really takes to build a muscle and how your body processes food. So I usually tell people, you know, okay, because being a bodybuilder is different than being a regular person. So an average person just needs to eat healthy and get all the nutrients and minerals they need in their diet. Whereas someone that's doing it for aesthetic reason and try to build their body in a certain way, they have to be more meticulous about getting, you know, all the different um, things that they need to actually build and gain weight. Whereas a lot of people are mostly trying to lose weight. So depending on their goals, that my answer is the same. Eat high vibrational foods. If you're trying to gain weight, eat more of it. If you're trying to lose weight, eat a balanced amount that you need for your energy that day. And then you will feel good. Yeah. On that note, um, you know, for people who are curious on the science behind it, there's, you know, through quantum mechanics and quantum physics and uh, there are measurement devices that actually measure 
the energy of food. And the measurement in that frequency of vibration is called angstroms. And just like every cell in our body, whether it's digestive, uh, our digestive system and the cells inside our colon and intestines, it's the cells in our skin, our brain cells, they all transmit a frequency and energy that can be measured just like food, as you're talking about. You know, food can be measured and puts off an energetic frequency. And when uh, when you're saying, you know, a high energy frequency, it's literally things like um, uh, fresh fruits and vegetables, living foods, almonds, nuts, seeds, etc. They literally put off a vibration, 6,000 to 10,000 angstroms. If you measure it, these fresh living foods have a high vibration. And as soon as you start cooking foods, you lower that vibration a bit. It goes down to 3,000 to 6,000, which is, you know, uh, part of the, the theory of why, you know, more raw food in your diet uh, is, is incredibly helpful. And then you go down to, you know, things that are processed or refined, um, cooked animal products, beef, pork, etc. And you get around 3,000 angstrom. So it's three times less the amount of frequency of energy, the vibration from that food. And the theory is the higher the vibration, the food, the, the more those electrons from that food transfer into our body and raise our cellular vibration, which contributes at an energetic level towards regeneration, health and healing. So everything like even we can look at the nutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, the amino acids, the phytonutrients in the food and scientifically understand, oh, these amino acids, when combined together, they make proteins that actually regenerate your pupil in your eye, or these ones generate hair, or these ones generate muscle, or these ones generate skin, right? You can look at, oh, we need vitamin A for this and vitamin K for this and vitamin D for this. So we can, we can look at it very myopically and see how the vitamins in whole foods actually regenerate and nurture our bodies. Or as you just said, you can look at it at an energetic level as well. I like to look at both of it because we are energy and we are also physical. You know, we are non-physical and physical at the same time. And so you look at the energy side of it and go, well, it makes sense, right? It makes sense that a higher vibration food bringing into our bodies is going to help keep our cells at a healthier vibration as well. Absolutely. And while we're throwing all this science at you all, um, don't think you have to be perfect. I definitely am very healthy, but I do not have a perfect diet. Like I am a foodie. Like I said, I go out to eat at all the restaurants. I still eat burgers, pizzas. I eat processed vegan food. I just don't eat it every day, right. you know? And so I, I love to travel. I love to try the restaurants. What's good about allowing yourself some processed food here and there? I'm not saying Okay, if you're eating super clean, do that. I'm just saying what you'll notice is that you'll feel the difference, you know, and that really does help keep me on track. And that's why I tell some people go super strict, like I did raw vegan for two years. And if you're raw vegan, that's great. Um, but I feel like I was so strict, I end up having way too much oil, 
way too much sugar and things were out of balance. So for me, me personally, I can maintain my vegan healthy diet better having a balanced amount of cooked vegan and raw vegan foods, where some people that might not be foodies, they can, you know, balance it out um, on vegan food and be fine. So you do have to find out what works best for you. And I want to say, you know, you can have some fun, like you don't have to, I mean, even if you're not completely vegan and you're plant-based, you know, you don't feel like, you don't have to feel like, well, since I can't go hundred percent vegan, then I'm not going to I'm not going to do it. Right. It's like a lot of my clients I work with, I'm just, I get them started with like a meatless Monday or adding, you know, more fruits and vegetables. We do crowding out. I became a plant-based nutritionist, um, with Cornell and we, um, talked about the crowding out method. And so basically you just start including more quinoa, more lentils, more superfood, more grit into the diet. And then slowly, a little bit at a time, you put less and less animal product on your plate. And then next thing you know, you're feeling better, you're looking better. And you're like, okay, well, I don't need that because I have the energy that I need. And I've noticed over time, the people that are more gentle with the process usually stick with it. Where a lot of people that are just like, go, go, go vegan, go right away. Because they haven't learned what's best for their body, a lot of time they're like, oh my God, I can't do this. I got to go back. Or I miss cheese and I go back. I mean, you know, so for that reason, I encourage people, yeah, if you want to go, always go. I'm going to say, you know, but at the same time, notice how you feel and know that even if you go because you're passionate about animals or you're passionate about planet, because that's great, know that it will take a little time to find out just like a regular diet, what actually works for you. And I just want to put that disclaimer in there because I want people to have success because that way you're going to keep up with it long-term. Yeah, it's such a good point. I mean, even in my own case, like I didn't switch to vegan overnight. It was, it was a process. It was same thing, adding in more juices and smoothies, you know, adding in more fresh fruits and vegetables. And then the first goal was, you know, to stop eating beef and red meat completely and and when i did that i noticed oh i feel better i have more energy this is great and i keep reading researching listening to conversations like this talking to experts watching documentaries and then it was the next thing it was like okay chicken right and so then you know, i don't know it was a month couple months later then i stopped eating chicken and then the last thing i was still eating was raw fish i was eating sushi and i remember eating it and it was just like i knew like i was the goal was to be 100% vegan, right? And but it was a I knew it was going to be a bit of a transition. I didn't want to do it necessarily overnight. It would take some time. And I went out and had, you know, our favorite sushi place. Got back home that night and got so sick. I was just like, that's it. I'm done. I don't need it anymore. And that was, you know, the last, you know, animal uh that I ate uh probably 13 something years ago. And and it's been really easy because staying connected to the information to the learning to my body to the research you know constantly uh reaffirming how i feel i feel great i'm actually stronger and fitter now than i've ever been in my entire life you know all these kinds of things that you feel and also i know a lot of people fail on a vegan diet as you talked about um sometimes they go all in too quick and then don't really know what they're doing and then end up just eating either too much processed food, too much vegan junk food and feel like crap. Or uh, the other thing is sometimes there's like a culprit in your diet. Like I found out corn was not great for me, but it took me like eight years to figure that out. So I suffered <laughs> from like, uh, cause it wasn't like, oh, I'd eat a little bit of corn. I'd feel terrible. It was like an accumulation 
in the system over time. And then a month or two months later, I would feel really terrible for about 48 hours. And I didn't know what it was. I was, you know, trying to figure it out, talking to doctors, functional medicine, doing tests, doing parasite cleanses, everything, you name it. And then it was like, once I figured out it was corn, it was so simple. It's like, oh, I wish I knew this eight years ago. So that's why sometimes, you know, you switch to a plant-based or a vegan diet and you feel terrible. There might be one thing in there that's not really great for your body, for your system. And it could take an elimination diet or working with a functional medicine practitioner to kind of figure out what that one thing is. As long as you're getting a good diverse profile of, you know, the nutrient rich foods, a lot of people avoid the vegetables. Well, the vegetables are what you need for, you know, <laughs> vitamins and minerals and fiber, right? So four or five servings of vegetables a day. Um, and the beans, a lot of people avoid the beans. Oh, they make me too gassy. Well, the beans are what you need for the fiber, for the protein, for the amino acids, for the minerals. So if you avoid beans or vegetables, you're probably going to have a problem long term uh, on a vegan diet. You know, those are some simple things and you can deal with the gas and you can your microbiome will start to adapt and help break down, um, you know, the gassy aspect of the starches and the beans and there's some things you can do to help with that too. Like soak your beans overnight, make sure they're fully cooked, you know, make sure they're not, um, make sure they're just like kind of melt in your mouth when you chew on them. You know, there's simple things like that that can help with some of those uncomfortable things as well. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and it's so funny because one thing that really helped me is I mostly eat beans and, and grains that sprout. And so I'll do a lot of chickpeas because chickpeas sprout, you can soak them, they sprout. Um, you can do wild rice, it sprouts. You could do quinoa, it sprouts. And so for me personally, and it's more living, so higher vibrational, and those work well for me. I have a lot of people that can't do a lot of beans and grains and that's okay. Just like you couldn't do corn. I feel like you can still have a healthy diet if you don't do a lot, but you have to find which ones you can do. Like right. I do all types of quinoa um, and all types of, you know, chickpeas and lentils because they sprout. Um, but other beans, you know, I don't eat too much from them. And then onions, you know, it was corn for you. It was onions for me. Like really? onions gave me and still continues to give me the worst gas. And I try, you know, every now and then I could do a little onion powder or something like that. But if I eat like raw onions, like a friend gave uh, me and my fiance uh, for our one year anniversary, um, she prepared this entire beautiful, delicious uh, vegan spread and I told her no onions and she forgot and almost every dish had onions in it so here I am like my guy's <laughs> like I'll pick them out for you and so he went through and he like picked them out and he ate them and but there was still onions throughout some of them and ugh, nothing's worse on like your, <laughs> your your favorite day and I have the worst gas and it was just like oh my god I'll never do that again Gosh, and she actually offered, she was like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Let me do it. I was like, no, you know, because raw food, it's, it's a labor of love. And I was like, no, no, right. no, it's okay. And it was a gift. And so I was like, no, 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 it's okay. I'll, I'll just pick them off. It'll be, oh my gosh, did I regret that? So I think you do really, to your point, you really have to know your body. And if something's not working, it's okay. Like we're all so uniquely different. One, you know, 
my fiance, he can eat tons and tons of onion. My grandfather ate, and he'd bite it like an apple. And I just, onions don't work for me, but a lot of pretty much everything else does. Um, so yeah, and then I don't do a lot of gluten, although I can do gluten. I notice the more that I eat gluten, the more mucus that I have. So I don't do no gluten because I don't have like celiac or anything like that, but I just notice what it's doing. I notice it's causing inflammation in my body. So I will keep it at a moderate pace. And I think over time, when you learn what's best for you and you do that most of the time, you can have a little fun. Like I can eat things with onion powder in it or small bites of onion. But if I eat a whole meal with lots of onions, I'm going to be feeling the repercussions. I'll remember that, uh, you know, when whenever we get together and make a meal, I'll uh, make sure to keep the onions out because I put onions in like everything. <laughs> oh so many people do because it supposedly makes it last longer. And, you know, onions are good for you, but They're sometimes medicine. Yeah, exactly. Some things are good, but I eat other things. I actually take quercetin, but quercetin is in onions and I don't get it. So when I came to Georgia, my allergies went crazy and mm. I never had allergies in my life before. And um, I did my research and I did my sounds like, why do I have allergies? I mean, every day, sneezing, sneezing, eyes watering. It was just like, it, I couldn't believe it. And so um, I was trying different things. And then one of my friends like, oh, that happened to my husband and he took cursing and I started taking it and it's done. And I was just like, that's awesome. Wow. And then I find out through one of my doctor friends, like, oh yeah, it's because you don't eat onions because cursing is found in onion and it's good for your sex drive and it's good for your immune system and all those things. So your, your, fian your fiance has got to be happy with that. So, yeah. oh yeah, he's, he's really happy. <laughs> he tries to take my curse. And I was like, that's for me. <laughs> you know, that's all. I don't know if you do any like honey or, or, um, or bee pollen. Um, I do, I, I don't, you know, I, that's a longer conversation. Some vegans may hate me for that, but that's okay. I, I think bees, I actually have personal experiences that bees love us, love to share their honey with us. Uh, I had a hive, a wild hive in our backyard. And I used to just with my raw hand, my bare hand go up there and, and harvest honey with bees crawling all over me and like connected with them energetically. And, and they had no problem sharing their honey with me. So like from that, that's actually when I was, we went raw vegan for a year. I think you said you went two years. We did a year also like we went vegan and then it was like, all right, let's go all in raw vegan. So we did that for a year. And, um, but that, that lesson with the bees was like, well, honey is medicine. It is so healing. Um, I understand the animal abuse side of it. A lot of the honey today is, you know, the bees are fed sugar water, which is awful. You know, they're transported all around the country to basically pollinate single monocrop, you know, almond trees, for example, and a lot of the bees are dying off. You have colony collapse disorder. It's a terrible thing. But if you are going to eat honey, you know, raw, local, organic is your best supporting local farmers. Um, I think honey and bee pollen is amazing. The reason I bring it up is because that's another way to um, heal allergies, especially like pollen allergies. You move to a new place. I've shared this with multiple people who had the exact same result of, of overcoming those allergies where you start, you get local bee pollen and then you start with like a granule, literally one little granule on the first day. And then you start to double that two granules a second day, three granules a third day, just to make sure you're not having any, you know, over reactions to it. And you, you work up to the point where you can take, you know, at least a full teaspoon at a time and you can do that pretty quickly 
And all of a sudden it's like allergies go away and they don't come back. And it's that bee pollen, getting that local bee pollen into your body for whatever reason uh, makes your body adapt to all the pollens and things in the air because they're going out there and, and getting all those, you know, pollens and then they're processing it and then you're eating it. And it's like you adapt to it and then the allergies go away. And it's, it's been incredible for, for a lot of people who've done that. Awesome. Yeah. I personally don't necessarily um, have honey or bee pollen on a regular basis, but if it's like honey in something, like if it's like, oh, they put honey in the tea or it's in it, something like that. I don't usually I go to sustainable places. Um, there was a time where I want to say like a couple years back where I dated someone who was a singer and they really wanted honey. So I went specifically online and I found sustainably harvest honey and um, would make that tea for them. Um, but I, like you said, I feel like making sure that it's, it's um, gathered in a mindful way is really important because there's so much abuse happening within that industry. Um, but for me, because I travel a lot, the cursing really works for me and will work for someone who doesn't want to, you know, steal, um, you know, harvest the bee pollen or the honey, the cursing, you know, it really does work. And I've yeah, given it to so awesome. many people. So I think that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't able to stay on the raw diet for more than a year at about a year in, I was just like, I need some cooked food. Like I was just like, we moved out in the middle of nowhere in the desert in Arizona and it was hard to get fresh food. It was hard to do all the, the raw dishes that we made. Cause we did a lot of like dehydrating and a lot of sprouting and stuff like that. And we were literally like two hours away from the nearest grocery store. We were on this 600 acre ranch in the middle of the desert in Arizona. And the goal was to turn that into kind of an off the grid retreat center. And we actually revived like a couple fruit orchards and planted gardens and there were chickens there. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, except it was so remote. It was so difficult. And at that time it was just like, yeah, I'll start cooking some rice and beans and things like that. So it started, so we broke the raw food diet. And later on, I was just like, I'm not sure if the raw food diet is actually the healthiest thing for somebody to be on long-term 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And there's always somebody who kind of breaks our belief systems, right? By defying the odds. And we mentioned him actually in the intro, Gabriel Cousins, who's been a friend of mine for years. And he uh, moved to Israel uh, not too long ago, actually. Uh, he sold his retreat center. He used to have a retreat center in Patagonia, Arizona. And he's been a raw food vegan for something like 50 years. He's in his early eighties now, and he can still do like a hundred pull-ups unbroken at one time, hundreds of push-ups, unbroken. He's not like big and muscular. He's super lean, but he's got incredible strength and muscle endurance for somebody who's 80 for anybody. Actually. I mean, you know, who, who can go out there and go do a hundred pull-ups unbroken. It's really, really rare for anybody uh, to be able to do that. And he's been on a raw food vegan diet strictly, I think close to 50 years last time I talked to him between 40 and 50 years and he's still thriving. You know, it's just, it's amazing. It's, it actually blows my mind. Yeah. I think I know a lot of people that thrive on a raw vegan diet and I think it's actually possible just like with the vegan diet is possible. I think what you mentioned that we have to remember is that it's about access. It's about what you have access to. So if someone has access to all the fruits, vegetables, and essences they need to thrive, 
and they have the supplements they need, it can't like even breatharians. Like I have some people that are, you know, they might be liquidarians or whatever. It's really what you eat is energetic, right? And so, and then you need certain nutrients and minerals, et cetera. So it's really about, are you getting the building blocks you need to thrive? It's not about whether it's vegan or raw vegan or anything like that. I mean, you know, there's different levels to what we eat for energy. So at the end of the day, you need certain nutrients, minerals, and vitamins to for your cells to reproduce. And the hope is that you don't eat so badly, it's taking away um, from you more than this putting in. Most people in this world, what they eat is you know, a detriment to their health more than it's actually bringing them health. So when you start getting more with, you know, more high vibrational foods, it's actually benefiting you. Your cells are recovering, you're detoxing. And so I think long-term, the long-term vegans I know that do well, they're very clear on how to get their nutrients with that type of diet. But people that are just trying to do it because it sounds cool or because they want to do a cleanse or detox, they'll do it for a little while. But if they don't make sure they're getting the vitamins and nutrients they need, um, they become they can become deficient. And one thing I saw when I went vegan that actually scared me was like a lot of people losing their teeth. And I was like, I wasn't seeing any healthy vegans. So I was, I was really nervous about it. And I was like, you know, I, I want to keep my teeth and I need to make sure it's possible. So it wasn't until I saw some healthier vegans that I was really, you know, all the way in because I did it like you did. I first cut out pork um, because I had a boyfriend that was Muslim. And then I cut out chicken because they had the tryptophan. Then I cut out turkey and, you know, all the different things a little bit at a time. But I was looking and studying and also making these foods at the same time. And the last thing I cut out, I think, was fish and eggs. But I did that journey and I also noticed how I felt with, with each thing. So I think it's it's possible. I think when you are cutting things out of your diet, you want to still make sure you're getting the nutrients. And that's the biggest thing that, especially with a lot of people um, making the trans transition because it's trending now and that's, hey, however you get into it, it's fine with me because we're saving animals and the planet. But I want to caution people to really get your blood work done, um, get your minerals and your hormones tested um, to make sure that you're getting everything that you need to thrive long-term because that's what's really important. Like I care about your health. You know, I care about the whole planet, but of course you're a human being. So I care about your health and well-being. Um, you know, some people like everything else, you know, outside of human beings, but no, I care about human beings um, and everything else, all of it equally. And so how can we get the nutrients we need without, you know, abusing mother earth and without abusing animals? And how can we cause the least amount of harm while we're enjoying life? And that's what I like to have the conversation about because in life there's good, better, and best. But as long as we're like always like comparing and fighting, uh, okay, a vegan is better than a raw vegan and then a breatharian and then the juice, it's just like, it kind of gets a little bit catty. But when we realize, okay, like, are you getting what you need? I think that's the conversation I want to have with more people is like, are you getting the nutrients you need? And do you know the nutrients that you need to thrive? Yeah, I love it. It's it's one of the reasons that um, I've started this new brand, Plant Powered Athlete. It's to help people who are athletic, who want to, you know, achieve higher potential, be more athletic, be more 
uh, fit and strong and healthy. And it's not about turning everyone vegan. It's like it's saying, look, if you want better performance, if you want more muscle, if you want to feel better, have more energy, lift more weights, run faster, swim faster, whatever it is, adding more fresh whole plant foods to your diet is going to help you right? You still can eat meat if you want and eggs and dairy. It's totally fine. Like I have zero judgment against anybody for eating anything. In fact, actually, I mean, how could I? I mean, you know, I used to fish my own, you know, go fish uh, growing up fishing and hunting deer and eating, you know, lots and lots of, of beef and animals. It's like, how could I judge anybody else ever? I have zero judgment, but I do know that if you add more vegetables and fruits and nuts and seeds and berries and legumes to your diet, you are going to have more energy. You are going to perform better. We see it with athletes all around the world. You know, you see these teams, these professional teams, these professional athletes who switch to a plant-based, like primarily calories from plant whole foods or, you know, uh, plant strong or vegan diet. And they're already at the top of their game. And all of a sudden, they eat more plants and they become better the next year. You know, their performance improves, their recovery improves, their sleep improves, their muscle mass improves. All those things improve because we're putting less inflammatory foods into our body and we're allowing our body to regenerate faster uh, with these foods that are filled with the nutrients that we need. So I love it. I mean, we're on such the same page there. It's like, it's not about, you know, preaching and proselytizing and everyone has to become vegan, whatever. It's like, I really don't, it doesn't really matter to me. It's like, if you want to, we're here to support you, guide you, give you some, you know, help avoid some of the landmines that we've stepped on or some of the potholes that we've fallen into. Um, but you know, if you, if you add more, um, I, 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 like you said, good, better, best. I look at it kind of like level one, level two, level three. It's like, look, just replace one meal a day with a plant-based meal or a vegan meal. It could be a smoothie in the morning, you know, it could be lunch, it could be whatever, but one a day, um, you know, then you could go to two a day and then level three is like, you could go all in and, and try it hundred percent. And that's what I like to tell people, like you don't have to go all in right away, but see how you feel along the way, take notes, pay attention to your body, see how you recover and how you repair and rejuvenate. And you might be pleasantly surprised. Absolutely. And another thing you mentioned that I think is really important I want to bring out again is like access, because if you don't have access, I think one thing that I started doing, especially during the pandemic, I've done it before, but I went back to doing it during the pandemic is just growing sprouts, you know, my counter 25 cent sprouts, putting them in water, putting them in a mason jar, growing those sprouts. I also have a lettuce grow that's a little more expensive, but I grow my like own herbs and things like that. So really getting into growing your own food and knowing how to grow your own food also brings you a connection um, to the food. And I think it's really good. For, it's not it's not as hard as people might think you can grow them in flower pots, like all types of foods. So I love like that Instagram is really promoting, you know, oh, this is how you go to the store, get an organic banana and get this. And this is how you grow this food. Like some things take longer than others and some things grow differently in different climates. But seeing like, how much can I actually grow in my climate? I think that's kind of cool. And also when you don't have access, then you might have to, you know, get things shipped in and things like that. So I think it's really important to know what do you have access to? Can you grow some of your own food? Because when you do the highest vibrational food is the food that has been touched by the least amount of hands. 
So the highest vibrational food is a food that's been touched by the least amount of hands. So if you grow it yourself, boom, that's higher vibrational. That's your high vibrational basil, cilantro, any herbs like that. But if you're getting it shipped from Mexico or Asia or something like that, it's still good. You know, we got good, better, and best. You know, it's good if that you're eating plant-based. It's better if it's organic and it's best if you grow it yourself. You know, so wherever you can get some of those best practices of like growing your own food, whatever you do buy from somewhere else, sprouting it, you know, the more that you can incorporate these little things into your diet, the better you're going to feel. And so, you know, like, so it's not just about going vegan. It's about what can you do to cause the least amount of harm and also bring that process of looking at food as energy into your life. And I think that really changed the way that I look at food. I love that. I think on the other end of that spectrum, we also need bad, terrible, and worst. And so <laughs> if, you're, if you're looking at if you're looking at something like like meat, for example, I'd say you know grass-fed beef is bad. Terrible uh -huh. is you know hormone-fed, <laughs> you know grain-fed beef. That'd be terrible. And worst is um, you know bacon, fried bacon. You know, and people. <laughs> People are not going to like that, but I mean, you know, bacon is a class one carcinogen. I mean, it is cancer causing, right? So if you want to be the worst of the worst, you know, eat the foods that we know cause cancer, primarily because of nitrates and the nitrosamines that interact with the saturated fat in your body. We know it can contribute to cancer, but, you know, people go, oh, yeah, grass fed, free range beef is great. That's okay if that's what what people think and believe, but you know, from my perspective and my research and my experience in the 400 plus doctors that I've interviewed and the hundreds of cancer patients that we've worked with, um, to me, beef is I would not put it at good. I would put it at you know bad. I'd put it below that line. But again, that's not like to judge anybody. You, you're not bad if you eat it. I don't think that personally. Um, I just look at that that way when I'm looking at food specifically. Yeah. And it's just science at the end of the day, because even, you know, oils that we cook in, you know, a lot of people are cooking with a lot of olive oil and it's like, you know, olive oil is not the best to cook with because that can be carcinogenic as well. So it's greater to cook with like avocado oil or something like that. So I think knowing these things, like cooking things in the microwave versus cooking them in the oven or the stove. So I think as we start to share these conversations about, okay, what is good, better, and best? And I like, I like that, you know, ter worst, terrible, and well, I don't forget what you said, but I think that's important too, because, you know, there are levels to this, you know, and when you, again, don't overwhelm yourself, but just each week, I tell people each week, get something that you can do that can be better, yeah. right? What can you commit to that's not going to give you a headache, that is better than what you were doing before and just start doing one thing at a time because that's how I did it. And I think that's what's kept me in it for the long haul is just doing one thing. And then maybe I'm like, oh yeah, that's hard. Like, you know, we both did raw vegan, like, okay, that's, it's really good. And the reason a lot of people do thrive on the raw vegan diet is because it's so alkaline because even with um, a lot of processed food, a lot of cooked food, you can build up a lot of inflammation in the body. And especially if you're cooking a lot in olive oil, you can even build up a lot of carcinogens in the body. But with alkaline, you're so alkaline, the, the body is able to regenerate itself at a fast rate. And so you can experience a lot of great cleansing and detoxing on a raw vegan diet. And, you know, for those who can maintain it for the long term, 
I mean, they experience longevity, but again, it's hard and there's not a lot of access sometimes, but I have seen people um, thrive in that way. Yeah. And just to clarify on the olive oil. So, I mean, all the research I've seen specifically, it's not just olive oil, it's, it's unsaturated fat. And when unsaturated fatty oil, it's not just cooked. Um, by the way, for those tuning in, it's like, you don't really have to worry about cooking in olive oil and it becomes carcinogenic. If, if you look at the, the literature, what they've shown is that two things. One, if you're cooking any unsaturated fatty oil to a smoking point, so you're basically frying and it's like smoking, that starts to create carcinogenic compounds in the oil. That's number one. Number two, and that, that's any unsaturated fatty oil, by the way. Um, and, number, and, and olive oil has, like avocado oil, people recommend it generally because it has a little bit higher smoke point than like olive oil, for example, but it would still happen with, with uh, avocado oil as well. The second was, so, so don't cook things to where it's smoking, that's too hot and that can cause carcinogenic compounds. The second thing that can cause carcinogenic compounds and unsaturated fatty oils is um, reusing the oil. So like you go to a restaurant where they're not even using olive oil. A lot of them are frying, deep frying things in like canola oil and, um, you know, soy oil, corn oil, these pretty terrible, highly processed oils that you don't really want to put in your body. Um, and they're reusing the oils multiple times. They don't change it out. They will keep it and it's at a very high heat, often smoking and continuously reusing, reusing, reusing until they replace it. So those are the things you want to avoid, reusing oil and cooking it at really high temperatures. Other than that, olive oil has actually been shown to be very protective. Uh, heart protective has been shown to, you know, it's a big part of the Mediterranean diet. Mediterranean diet has probably the most peer-reviewed, you know, scientific research um, that we have on any diet showing, you know, protective benefits against heart disease, atherosclerosis, cancer, neurodegenerative disease, et cetera. And that's primarily a plant-based diet with some fish, some eggs, some dairy, you know, once or twice a week. It's very rare, but they eat a lot of um, fresh olive oil. Um, they eat a lot of, you know, fresh grains and legumes and vegetables and fruits. And, you know, these are many of the longest lived, healthiest people on the planet with the least amount of disease. Um, and a lot of it is coming back to the fact what we keep talking about is like fresh food. Like you said, I'm kind of like you, like, Yes, I'll have some processed food once in a while, um, but it's going to almost always be organic and or it's going to be like not have a ton of additives and processed things in it. Now, when I go to a restaurant or traveling, whatever, like you don't always have that luxury and I'm not going to stress out about it as much when we're traveling. I'd say 80% of the time, you know, we're cooking at home, 80, 85% of the time we're cooking at home, we're cooking real foods, um, lightly processed or not processed foods. But that kind of 15% of the time, yeah, we might order, you know, a pizza from True Food Kitchen or whatever, and I'm not going to stress about it. You know, I have some cereals that I'll eat once in a while, but it's, it's all dried. It's, it's dried and it's, uh, there's no, you know, additives in it and it's all organic. Like you can do some processed stuff, but you can also get lighter processed, you know, good, better, best. I love that. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow that if you don't mind. Because it's like, yeah, with those kinds of things with processed foods. Also, there are processed foods that are bad, terrible, and the worst for sure. So, um, you know, less processed foods, though, 
once in a while is fine. A lot more whole foods, real foods, living foods, and you are obviously going to feel a lot better. Awesome. Yeah, I just want to reiterate, I was talking about, you know, cooking with the oils and definitely cooking to the smoke point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely eat olive oil um, raw um, and avocado oil and things like that. But I also stay um, away from seed oils. So like you said, the canola oils and any of those. And some people, you know, again, I, I'm sharing what I do, you know, and we, we even have between you and I have different um, diets being, you know, vegan. But I think, you know, to each his own, like you can yeah. listen to everything we say and take what suits you the best. But um, over time, having a lot of seed oils and when you look at a lot of processed foods, a lot of processed foods, even vegan foods, a lot of vegan foods um, that are in the stores today have a lot of seed oils. And to your point, when you go to the, the um, a lot of restaurants, you know, they have the seed oils too. So if you're eating out regularly, and if you're eating processed food regularly, you're getting a lot of these seeds oils and it's not good for your health. And you could be eating like, oh, but I ate like mushrooms and I ate potatoes and, but it's literally all in seed oils and you don't recommend like the corn you said, like corn, corn is healthy. I'm fine with corn, but you don't realize over time the impact of those seed oils on the body. Are you like, oh, okay, well, I don't often cook um, you know, but I use olive oil because it's healthy for me, you know, and then I'm not going to get a whole nother oil to cook with. So I'm not often cooking, but then over time you are, you know, and I feel like when you look at some of these things, especially if you're doing this for long-term, you want to think about the impact over time. And so, yeah, you can go out to eat. You can, you don't have to be perfect, but if you're getting delivery every day, going to restaurant, anything you're doing on a regular basis, for me, that's more than two or three times a week, check the ingredients. And check what you're actually getting in your diet and make sure it's it's all good for you. Because again, you'll go fine for a while, but then five months down the road, six months down the road, a year down the road, you're like, oh, what's wrong with my health? And you didn't even know. You thought you were doing something healthy for yourself. So I just want to mention that because again, it's not about perfection, but it's just about knowing and then realizing like, oh, I didn't notice that all these oils were in like, okay, this is in my peanut butter, my almond butter. And I'm, why did they put canola oil in mom's butter? You know, you don't notice these things are in there. So um, my one of my biggest, other biggest tips is like, look at ingredients of every single thing. It might say in the front, 100% almond butter. But look at the back because they might've put some canola oil in your mm -hmm. almond butter. Like, these times they start throwing, um, what was it that was in like, everything um i think it was way they were putting some things they were vegan and then i looked up like bars and stuff i don't even eat bars i used to love bars i don't even eat them anymore i look up they have one this was vegan a couple of years ago you know so Crazy. you just really have to be careful on those additives and those seed oils and things like that because they can sneak up on you and they can sneak up on you and your health so that kind of leads into the next thing I'd love to talk with you about, which is really what your book is based on is about fears, the fears in our life, the fears that prevent us from living our best life, the fears that drive our unconscious and subconscious behavior that lead our lives into self-sabotage and attract other people and situations, circumstances around us based on those fears and continue to repeat you know, similar painful lessons over and over again unconsciously. And, you know, with food, fear 
can become a very real thing. You know, the more, just like you, I've, I've been working with clients for, for many years and it's like fear becomes a really very real thing that actually paralyzes people from making any necessary changes, right? They could come and listen to, you know, an hour or two hour lecture or workshop on all the things that cause cancer, you know, in your home and around you, and then leave totally paralyzed, not knowing what to do, totally afraid. And that's actually probably worse than when they <laughs> went to the, went to the workshop, you know, uh, because at least they weren't having, they might be exposed to a lot of toxins in their home and their food, but at least they weren't living in so much fear. Um, so I think there's a lot to be said about one recognizing when fear starts to take over our lives and, and drive us to make decisions that are not actually the healthiest for us, um, or also can lead us, I think three things, that's one, two, can lead us to um, over like trying to become perfectionist, right? And it's like, you know, traveling, for example, when we were raw vegan, it was very, very difficult. And even after that, you know, when we started cooking it, it was still difficult because we wanted to be 100% organic, 100% vegan, 100%, 100%, you know, et cetera. And you travel and it was stressful. It was like, what's in this? What's in that? I can't do this. We can't go here. It was like stressful. There's fear involved. Um, and then number three, you know, also is like, well, yeah, the fear can also paralyze you and then you do nothing, right? So talk a little bit about fear from your perspective like why why is this so important for you that you ended up writing a book about it um and from your own personal life like what kind of drove you to help people overcome their fears oh, i love that you asked that question and i love that you segue into fear um i'll start just on what we were talking about because like you said so many times even listening to us for you know this first hour we we've been talking someone could be like oh my goodness i got all these things and that's how i felt when i wrote this book like the things they don't want you to know about food and i like learn like there was just like garbage and everything I was going to the grocery store looking on the back of all my favorite things and I was like what can I eat <laughs> you know and it can be um it can be a little bit overwhelming and so that's why I often mention it's not about perfectionism it's just about educating yourself understanding and taking it one day at a time doing the best that you can my grandma is 92 I'm gonna tell you what she eats you don't want to know she eats everything but we're very spiritual and I, I believe in prayer. And so I believe prayer is energetic. I believe in God and I believe those things are powerful. That's why now I talk a lot about energy. I'll talk about, you know, physical and nutrition and, and things like that. But I also believe that you can balance things out with prayer, praying over your meals eating intentionally, whatever you eat, knowing, hey, this is going to satisfy me and this is going to bless my body, whatever you decide to eat. Because I know a lot of people, they have guilt and shame. Let's say if they tried vegan um, and then it's not working for them. So they go back, but they have so much guilt and shame and they end up creating toxins in their body with your thoughts. And I know I don't want to have you scared of your thoughts now, but... <laughs> Every, just know everything is energetic. And at the end of the day, we're not here to be perfect people. We're here to be human and we're here to just do the best that we can. So just take everything we're tell, telling you with a grain of salt and do what you can um, and keep what resonates with you. Because if you develop 
um, as Nathan said, so much fear that it paralyzes you or you, you send yourself in the lowest vibration of guilt and shame, then at it, I agree. It's actually, it actually can be worse for your health. You might as well eat the toxic thing rather than stress about <laughs> the toxic thing, whether you ate it or not. Um, so just be aware that if you're making choices, just make them and have good intentions. Um, you know, if it feels good to you, pray for your food and, and, and hope for the best, you know, but I, I, you know, but just to keep it 100, when it comes to fear, um, what I studied in the course of miracles is that there are two basic emotions. There are many, many, many emotions that stem from these, but the basic emotions are fear and love. And the ultimate emotion, the one, if it, you know, went down to zero, if it went down to zero, that zero will be love. Right. And so when we're experiencing uh, fear on this spectrum, it's almost like we're we're pulling away from love. We feel fear, shame, guilt, comparison, judgment, and it's actually getting us away, but it's also letting us know something is misaligned because we're experiencing fear, get shame. So can we lean into this emotion and find out what is keeping us from love? Oh, is it feeling like I'm going to harm myself? Is it feeling like I'm not good enough? Is it feeling like I have to be perfect? So I actually teach people not to even shame themselves for having the emotion, but to lean into whatever emotions that you're having and allow it to lead you back to love, right? Because the more you're having this emotion, you know, fear comes to anxiety. And I think anxiety is just compounded fear. But then when you start to say, why am I afraid? I'm afraid because I'm scared. And you start breaking it down. You start journaling. You start doing somatic exercises and movements that release fear, that release trauma. Because I have a lot of trauma that happened in my life and I share about them in my book. And I share about the breath work, yoga, the meditation, the things that I did to release these traumas from my body so that I can live more freely and feel better. And so I teach fear as a part of this spectrum of well-being. And the more that you can look at your fears, acknowledge your fears and process your fears, the more you can get back to, to love. And love, I feel like, is the ultimate connection and this universal energy that governs um, everything that you see growing and thriving. Um, and then we go through this cycle um, of death, right? Everything, like our cells die, we die eventually. But if you honor the cycle, and if you start to pay attention to your body, you'll realize that every day we're going through this cycle of regeneration. So if you don't have fear, if you're not scared to go through cycles of sadness, of anger, of whatever emotion, of insecurity, if you're not afraid of it, if you just lean into it and say, hey, this is part of the human experience, just like living, just like dying, just like sleeping, just like waking up, there's going to be light in life, there's going to be darkness in life, just like I experience every day. And the more that we accept the cycle of life, the more we can actually enjoy life. And so that's what I teach in my book to take it on a really deep level. Um, and then it's and then it makes it light. It's like if you're willing to go deep, then it become, can become lighter. But if you try to avoid the depths, you'll end up living very shallow. Man, is that so true? Holy cow. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's so true and so powerful what you said. And and 
I love the story of your grandma. I mean, you said she's 92 and she eats terrible, but she's still alive and still living and sounds like a good person, but she's very spiritual, prays a lot over food, you know, thinks positively. I mean, those are all things that can make a massive difference and impact in our lives. And, you know, I want to, I want to correct something I said about fear a moment ago. I think I said three things about fear and I, I may have repeated the same thing twice, but such a good conversation. I'm just losing track of uh, some of the things that we're saying. But I think I repeat the same thing twice. The the three three things that fear, because I wanted to say the third thing that is really important, and you talk about this in your book, you know, the first thing with fear is that it can paralyze you, right? And then you do nothing, which is not good. The second thing is that it can actualize your fears. So you're afraid of something, afraid of something, afraid of something, afraid of something, and then that thing actually happens. And then you go, ah, oh, see, I told you. I knew that was going to happen. Well, yeah, you knew it was going to happen because you actualized it. You thought about it. You put that emotion into it. You attracted it to your life. And then you reaffirmed it. And so now that thing happens all the time. Um, I'll give you an example. Someone I know was at the, uh, was at the store the other day and, and uh, his battery died. And so he called me. Hey, can you come jump my car? I said, I said, yeah, but can you see if someone else beforehand, can you ask someone around there if they can just jump you? You know, uh, you got jumper cables. There's a million people there. Uh, before I stop what I'm doing, I was in the middle of cooking breakfast, actually. <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's going to take a minute. Otherwise, can you ask someone? Oh, I don't want to ask someone. Oh, I don't feel good about it. Uh, I don't think anyone will help me. I was like, all right, well, I'll be there in about 10 minutes. So I get there and then he goes, he goes, see, I told you, I asked this woman right in front of me if she would help me. And she said, no, she was busy. And so she left. And I was like, I was like, well, yeah, you literally put that energy out. You didn't think anyone was going to help you. You probably didn't ask her very nicely because you're frustrated and upset, understandably so. And she fed off that energy and was like, who's this crazy guy trying to ask me? You know, it's <laughs> like if you were positive minded about it and been like, all right, who's who's the person that's going to help me? You know, maybe look for, you know not uh not someone you're going to scare away maybe someone who's you know not as afraid of you or whatever and uh and with a positive mind you could get someone to jump you right that's a simple simple example but we can apply that to everything in our life it's like the things that we're most afraid of uh, can actually become true in our lives because we are attracting that but the number three thing i want to talk about fear is how you can use it to catalyze your life, catalyze your dreams, catalyze your health, actually create the things that you want, right? I'll give an example from my own life. There have been times in the past where I didn't know how I was going to pay rent, you know, new father, uh, I'm married, I'm providing for my wife, my children. And it's like, I don't know where the rent money's coming from. That's very scary. Anyone who's listening has ever been through that it's a very scary experience. Like how like rents due in two days, how the hell am I going to pay rent? Now, if I paralyze myself, we're going to end up on welfare or on the streets or whatever. Uh, if I just keep living in that fear, which I did for a long time, like I would, you know, I was trying to break these old habits and cycles of limited thinking and uh, lack mindset that was basically instilled in me since I was a kid and it would keep coming up. I was trying to break through those, you know, and have abundance mindset and solution oriented mindset. And what I learned to do when that fear was there and is what anyone can do, you know, to catalyze your fear for your success is when you're 
feeling that fear of, okay, I don't know how to do this, or I have this health issue or this can't pay the rent or whatever. Take a few deep breaths. Like you talk about in your book, you know, breath work, meditation, calm yourself down and then start asking the question, how can I solve this right now? What do I need to do? Who do I need to call? Where do I need to go? And start thinking uh, with a solution mindset. And if you, what I call solution-oriented mindset or solution-oriented thinking, and you start focusing on the solution, you really quickly, you'll be amazed at how quick you can actually solve that problem. But it was the fear that led you to solving that problem. So the fear in that case was actually very helpful right and then learning to overcome that and fix that so that you don't have that problem ever again it's a whole other process and a whole other story and journey um but i think fear you know as you you know make your uh turn your what's the title of your book take your fears and to make you fierce <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> let your fears make you fear let your fears make you fierce that's basically what that is right it's like you're using your fears and turning them into a catalyzing emotion to support you in your life and in your dreams and your health and everything that you want to experience. Absolutely. One thing that I like to say to make it easy for people is see your fear as your friend, you know, see your fear as your best friend that's coming to you and say, Hey, like something, something doesn't seem right. Like something's going on. And if fear is a friend versus something you're trying to get rid of, you know, I don't want to be afraid, you know, um, I would invite, you know, your friend to just actually practice, like not even just asking uh, one person, but asking multiple people, because, you know, sometimes for people, it can be very paralyzed to get rejected. And once they get rejected, they never try again because they're afraid. But if they're willing to say, okay, I'm afraid of this, but fear is my friend letting me know that I fear rejection. So when you can actually process it and work it back versus, you know, I invite, you know, I usually invite people if they're around people that are afraid, not just to tell them, don't be afraid, just do this, but invite them to unpack why they are afraid, you know, and it sounds like from your conversation that he was afraid because he feared rejection. So he'd rather ask you, he wasn't afraid to ask you because he knew you're probably not going to reject him and you're going to come do it, you know? So there was no problem for him. So the, the advice, because he might get rejected again, he could have asked three people, but the practice would be for him is to work on being okay with rejection. Like, oh yeah, that person didn't do it. That person didn't do it. That man, I hope somebody does it. But working on processing where that fear of rejection comes from, sometimes it could have been in childhood. Like someone said, you know, stop asking her to do it yourself or you got to be strong, you know, whatever it was. And that actually is deep seated inside. So a lot of times, like when you can work it back and that's what I do in my one-on-one -on -one coaching, I help people uncover the deeper layers to the fear. Because again, fear is your friend. And when you can process the fear, talk, say, come here, fear, come on inside. Let's talk about like, what's up? Like, where did I start getting afraid of rejection? Where did I start getting afraid of food? Where did I start? You know, where did it start? Like, oh, you were overwhelmed because you got so many options. Okay. So how can we address that? Right. Okay. Let's just start with one thing at a time. So when you really not just say I have fear and just ignore it or just say I have fear. So I'm just going to try to get rid of it. No, bring your fear inside and talk to your fear and try to work it back and process it. And when you actually process your fear, that's where the growth starts to happen. Yeah. I love that. Um, 
can you talk about fear of judgment? Um, mm -hmm. I think it's one of the biggest fears we all experience. And I think everybody has some experience you could relate or remember back to in childhood, right? Where there was a time when you were judged maybe multiple times and that has since lived with you into your adult years. Um, yeah. and the problems that causes in your life, right? Uh, by worrying about what other people think about you, but it's one of the hardest ones to overcome for sure. But I mean, can you talk a little bit about it? Absolutely. I actually just wrote a sub stack. I just start writing on sub stack cause I'm working on my second book. And, um, a lot of times the fear of the fear of rejection and the fear of, you know, um, you know, caring about what people think about you, the fear of judgment comes from not feeling worthy or not feeling valued. Right. And so at the end of that, you have to literally know that you are worthy, whole and complete, no matter what you do. But our whole society is set up on achievement and accomplishments and accolades and what you're wearing and how many likes you got and how many followers, like bam, bam, bam. It's like in every area of your life, you are judging your worthiness based on a certain metric, whatever it is. And so when every facet, oh, you're with someone, did you get married? Did you have kids? Are you gonna have a house? Are you gonna get a literally oh you had a baby is the baby healthy is it good? you know it's just like every aspect of your life we look at it metrics so it's hard for us to surrender to being and feeling like we're enough just by being the best that we can be because we're looking at somebody else to the left and to the right and we're comparing ourselves you know comparison comparison is the thief of joy right so i am not free from this. Like I definitely am part of the matrix and, but I work on it. And it's something that I look at every day. I lean into that fear of rejection. I, I look into that um, fear of judgment and I say, okay, how can I, what can I do today um, to release the fear of judgment? What can I do today to feel worthy? you know, and things that have helped me. And I'm just going to share these things because it's a lifelong journey because literally everything in our lives is based on metrics. You know, I don't know many things are not, or many communities are not, but um, a couple of things that I try to do is, you know, get you a hype squad. You need a hype squad. And in the book, I call it an A-team. You got to have an A-team of people that love you no matter what. You can have a bad day. You can be ugly, be nasty, cry, yell, scream, whatever. And they're still going to be like, I love you. Want to come over? You want to, you know, having people that love you no matter what is beyond important. I remember during the pandemic, um, I was on the phone with a group of women and we, they were talking about doing this business together and they wanted me to be a part of it. And I literally started crying. I just started crying on the phone with them. They're like, dang, Corey, what's wrong? And I'm the strong one. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like strong business woman. Let's get it. Let's, let's do it. And I just started crying. They're like, what's wrong? I was like, I just want to hug. <laughs> I was like, and I was really breaking down because I was so overwhelmed by business and business had gone wrong. And I was just like, I just wanted to have dinner. I miss having dinner. I miss seeing people, touching people. And I was, I was having like a mental health, like crisis. Like I was really like at my wits end for the amount of more business I could do without feeling affection, like as an empathetic person, I was just missing out on like human touch and human connection. 
So I started crying. I was like, let's just have dinner. And to this, and until I moved from LA, we would have dinner every Tuesday. And it's built the strongest relationship between me and these women. And even when I go back to LA, this last time I was there, we had dinner together. And yes, we've done business and we would work, but more than anything, we've listened to each other's stories. We've talked about the hard times and not just think we know everything about each other off of our Instagram or highlight wheel. And it's been very fulfilling. So I think the important thing is get you an 18. Let's, you gotta have some people in your life where you can be honest about when you're sad, when you're angry, when you're frustrated, when you're hurt, that are not gonna judge you, guilt you, shame you. They're just gonna listen to you and hold space. And by hold space, it means they're not trying to tell you a solution. They're not trying to tell you how to be better. They're just like, damn, that, that suck. I'm here for you. And what can I do to support? Literally, those type of people in your life is what you need to feel worthy so that you can deal with the fear of judgment because it's going to happen because everything is based on metrics. But so having the A team is number one. And number two is kind of what I've been talking about um, a little bit is just processing your emotions. Like I process my emotion, like, why do I feel so down? Why do I want to get off this call? I want to get off this call because I want something else. I don't want the business I want. And so I was confident enough or vulnerable enough really to share with these women, like I'm not okay. Right. And so when I was vulnerable and shared that I wasn't okay, then we were able to find a solution that actually worked and worked well for all of us and actually was nurturing to all of us. And so I invite someone who's listening, if you're going through, you know, not feeling worthy or feeling judged, you know, even if it's just one other person that you can confide in, that's going to help. Or even if you don't have that person, you're by yourself, writing down, journaling, getting a therapist even to help you work back. Like why, how did you get here? Like, how did you get to this space where you're, you're not feeling okay. You're not feeling worthy or maybe you're not feeling valued. Maybe your business has got not going where you thought, like you thought it would. Maybe you lost a friend. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe someone transitioned. All these um, are stages of grief that you can go through to make you feel you know, down and sad. Um, and then a lot of times we, that's when we start to judge ourselves and then we start to spiral downward. And as someone who has very intense emotions, like I go high, 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 but I still can go low, 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 low. It's just very, very intense, high and low. Um, I have had to learn how to regulate my nervous system and I've had to learn how to lean into my emotions so that I can be a healthy person and so that I continue to do the work um, that I'm meant to do. Yeah, that's powerful. And I can imagine for you, you know, being with a group of women like that who can listen, who can nurture, who can not judge, you you yourself are that way to them as well, right? Mm -hmm. You're not just taking it all and and then you're, <laughs> you know, treating them poorly or judging them badly, right? Like you you also have to give what you want to receive. Absolutely. I think one thing that we do that I definitely recommend, especially in friend groups, even if it's one or two people, make sure you're not emotionally dumping. It means like you're always the person that with the problem, um, which happened to a friendship that I no longer have anymore. Like I was always a strong one, strong one, strong one. But like every time I tried to share, I was like, oh, yeah, I know you're good, though. You know, and I really didn't feel like I could really share and be vulnerable because they felt like I'd have I have everything figured out and they I didn't need their support. And not that I need their solution. I needed them to hold space and just like let me be vulnerable. But because 
I couldn't do that with them because they thought I was superwoman. That friendship ended because they never held space for me um, to be vulnerable. And, you know, and so that's really important is that yeah. in our it's gotta be it's got to be reciprocal. You know, it's like the, the energy exchange that we have as human beings, it's got to be reciprocal if it's not just like that it will lean too heavy one way and then one person is getting drained and the, you know uh, it, it's not beneficial that way yeah i've seen that it as doesn't well. have to it doesn't have to be at the same time too like if someone's right. talking about their boyfriend and they're going through it you're like yeah my boyfriend it doesn't have to be necessarily back and forth like at the same time but it it's good that it happens regularly, right? And I think I want to call that out because that's not so great if like every time you share something, someone's trying to top you out with like their <laughs> their their story about the same thing because that doesn't always feel supportive. It's that every time you talk, if only one person is getting like someone holding space, then that's not balanced. So if yeah. you like where you like share something, maybe the next day you say, how's everything going on in your life? Do you want to sit down and talk? Is everything good? You know, at least ask. And sometimes people are not so forthcoming with what's happening, but never stop asking. These are basic conversational skills that would be great for us to learn as kids, to teach our children, to kids to learn in schools, right? I mean, these are basic, fundamental, and powerful conversational skills that help nurture our culture, help nurture our society. And you don't really learn these things unless you're listening to a podcast like this, or you're searching, you're deep into personal development and self-growth, you know, you're experiencing it the hard way. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that and uh, appreciate you putting, you know, all of your experiences and what you've gone through and your own journey into your book and sharing that with others. And, uh, man, appreciate it. It's been awesome. Spend this time with you. Time flies. It's awesome for you to come back on a, or come on the podcast, um, for the first time and great seeing you. Yeah. Thanks so much. This has been awesome. Great seeing you as well. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I love the conversation. It's so much fun just to go deep sometimes and, and then also leave it light. Like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, just do the best you can. That's it. I love it. Do the best you can. Be be good, better, best. <laughs> better, best. That's my philosophy. That's only. it. I mean, it'll save you a lot of stress. Just say, you know, I'm doing good today, doing better. I'll do my best, you know, and that philosophy has just helped me through a lot of things. So people say, okay, Koi, like I have clients that be like, okay, I'm going to good, better, best this. What is it? And then they'll give me the thing. I'm like, that's better, you know? And so it's, it's a good way to not, you know, if someone's not actually doing the greatest thing for themselves at one time, not to, again, to get out of the guilt and shame. It's like, yeah, I'm just, it's just going to be good today. I'm just going to do good, you know? And hopefully we're not doing too much of the lower one that you said, the terrible, you got to give me those again. The terrible. <laughs> we had, we had, we got, we got bad. We got bad, terrible and terrible. we got worse. <laughs> oh yeah. Bad, terrible, and worse. That's hilarious. So hopefully we're not in the bad, terrible, and the worst. We're in the good, better, and the best. There we go. There we go. Um, <laughs> and best place for people to get a copy of your book, connect with you, coach with you. Uh, where's the best website for them to go to? So my website where you can find all the things about me is koyaweb.com, K-O-Y-A-W-E-B-B. -B. Um, you can get my book anywhere books are sold. Also on Amazon. I also have an audio book on Audible. I don't know about you, but I love listening to my books. 
Um, and yeah, so anywhere the book will be available and anything you want to find out about me is on my website and also all over social media. Um, it's under Chloe Webb as well. Beautiful. Awesome. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me.